it's been a while since I have had the time or present of presence, excuse me, of mine to sit down and make a little podcast, whatever these are called, episode. But it's been a really trying couple of weeks, and I really hope that one day my children get to hear this, but I hope that it's after I'm long gone, um, because I realize one of the biggest struggles that I have with all of my relationships is that there's so much that's never been unearthed that the the soil that I am growing from is so tainted that the fruit that I bear is also tainted. And that's such a tough place to look in the mirror that I can say you don't always make great choices. And because of that, these are the consequences of those choices. So I thought today I'd talk a little bit about what my life started like, how having a mom that is bipolar shaped so many pieces of who I am today. I was thinking about this the other night because I I miss her terribly. She's not dead, but she's as good as dead to me. And I miss her. Um, And so the other day I was trying to think of the timeline of why it's so for lack of a better word, easy for me to just cut it off. You know, because I look at so many other people in my life that have very dysfunctional relationships and they just keep it surfacey and stay connected and um, and I just can't. I, I've literally just drawn a line in the sand. And it's not the first time. When, when I was little, uh, I was... I've had what I would consider a a lot of great life, a lot of great moments. Um, There was this big dark secret that when I was little, my sister, and I hope she doesn't hear this for a long time, sexually abused me for a number of years. Um, The flip side of that is that I loved my sister. I still love my sister. I have forgiven her. We have gone to therapy. We have both um, talked about that. But she was abused, then I was the victim of her abuse, Um, and it all came to light when my sister then tried to abuse my nieces, and my nieces told my aunt, who was my mother's sister, and instead of getting therapy, um, my mom broke, and she had a complete mental breakdown, and I'm the only person that still lives through that because both my mom, my sister wasn't there. She was at this camp and, um, my dad's dead and my mom has no memory of it. So I'm the only one that gets to live in the memory alone. And then a few months, weeks later, she decided she was no longer a Christian. And that was like the core of our whole life. We were Christians. My parents were pastors. They ran youth groups. Um, that's who we were. Then a few weeks after that, she said that she was done being a mom, that she had raised us and that it could have been months. You know, I'm saying all this happened between 11 and 13, right? Sometime in those span of years that it was, as she called it, me time. She needed to focus on herself. 
And in all that time, my dad was this ambiguous non-entity because he was working three jobs to pay for our lives. He was going to school. My mom was going to school. She was basically going to school double time. She did four years of college in two years. Um, and I went down one road, my sister went down another, but that was the beginning. And then high school went on and there were moments that my mom was like, great, you know, involved, cared. I remember I had this huge art project that I had procrastinated on and my whole family, my mom, my dad, my sister, everyone, we stayed up all weekend, like all night, every, the whole entire weekend. And we made this amazing present thing for me so that I could get a great grade because I had great grades and I was supposed to go to college. Like, uh, you know, like that was the thing. Like I was the one that got great grades and they pulled it all together to make sure I didn't fall flat on my face. And then there were moments that she was completely gone. That it didn't matter what I was doing. There was no noise loud enough for her to pay attention. I drank a lot, so much, and they just never noticed. And it wasn't until my senior year, um, I had gotten a lot of scholarships for a lot of different colleges and one of the colleges was the University of Chicago in um, Chicago, duh. And so we were going to go to this school and check it out. Uh, it was it was one of my top choices. It was that and Tulane that I was like, these are my top choices. Um, and this women's college, Mount Holyoke. Um, on the night before, I went out with my friend Jocelyn. And I had already, my best friend Jocelyn. I had already told my parents all throughout my high school career that Jocelyn was drinking and if I smell and she smoked and her parents knew and if I smelled like cigarettes or alcohol it's because I was with her and they weren't paying attention anyway so you know they were like okay cool whatever and so I went out with her and I remember being like oh I gotta get home early because I have a flight tomorrow morning but somehow or another we ended up getting wasted and I mean alcohol poisoning wasted and I knew I had to get home and in my drunken sense I called my mom and dad to come for her for them to come get me and um I told him I had gotten food poisoning from this restaurant I don't even remember the name of the restaurant um and my parents came and there was like boys with us and my dad was losing his shit and he went and talked to the manager, and they were like, we didn't even serve chili. We think they're drunk. And my dad's like, not my baby. And then they get me in the car, drive me home, and I puke everywhere. And, of course, I was drunk, so it smelled like alcohol. So it was pretty clear that I had been drinking, right? Like, whatever. Puked all over my mom's car. Um, and I, my mom was the one with me. My dad drove my car home. And... Uh, they put me to bed. I don't even remember any of this because I was a blackout drunk. To this day, I still a blackout drunk. There are times that to this day I know, oh, okay, if you drink this much, you can choose to not remember anymore. Um, and I woke up the next morning and there was like water next to my bed and ibuprofen. And I was like, ooh, girl, you did it again. You drank and got your shit together. You even remember to get water. 
ooh, ooh, ooh. And so I get dressed, I'm getting ready. And my mom comes in and she looks like death. And I'm like, hey, mom, you getting ready? And she's like, oh my God, you don't remember. And she didn't say anything. She went downstairs and I was like, oh no. So then I went downstairs and my dad said, I don't even know what to say because for you to be this okay after drinking like that, I know it's not your first time because you don't just bounce back like that if you've never drank before. And I didn't say anything. And he said, I don't want to send you to Chicago. You don't deserve to go, but your mom has convinced me to let you still go. We'll decide your punishment when you come back. Okay, you know, whatever. So I go to Chicago with my mom. We actually had a phenomenal trip. I found the college that I wanted to go to and ended up not being the University of Chicago, blah, 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 whatever. But that was it. I get home and my parents says, my parents say that my punishment is that I'm grounded, that I can't go out with my friends, but I can still do all my school events. And they didn't even check my fridge. They didn't even check the fridge in my room. Nothing, which had a shit ton of alcohol in it. Uh, they, they didn't go through any of my stuff. They just were like, okay, well, she's grounded and that's it. Did I stop drinking? Uh, no. Did they try and talk to me about it ever again? No, never again. So my dad ended up leaving out of town for some work trip. I don't even know what it was. And it was a few weeks later. And I had convinced my mom to please, please, please let me go to this school party. Which is funny because it's something I would have never gone to before. First of all, I didn't like anyone at my school in general. I tried to be friends. I was a shitty person. I was living in a lot of pain. I wasn't feeling their whiteness. I wasn't feeling my inability to 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 understand the emotional and social norms that I should have understood. But I just didn't. Um... But anyway, I end up arguing with this dude about alcohol, and I drink a half a bottle of vodka straight, proving some stupid point, like it mattered if I, you know, whatever, and drove home. Can't tell you how many times I drank and drove. I should have killed myself multiple times. Anyway, I get home, and my mom's like, hey, you know, and she's in. She had moved out of my dad's room and had her own room on the floor that I had my bedroom because my dad snored horribly. And so, um, she, she's like, Hey, and I'm like, Hey, she's like, Oh, your dad's on the phone. Do you want to talk to him? And I was like, no, I'm so tired, whatever. So I go to my room and I like brush my teeth and she comes in, she goes, have you been drinking? And I was like, start to cry. It was one beer. I haven't drank it so long. I can't believe one beer got me so wasted. <laughs> and she believed me again. And that was it. We never talked about it. Ever, ever, ever. Even to the point that I was in my late 20s was maybe the next time my parents and I ever had a conversation about me drinking. When they knew, when they finally figured out and found out that I had been drinking since I was 13. Seriously, seriously drinking. When I went to college, before I left to go work the summer before college, and I don't know what my parents were thinking. I was 17 years old. I was living on some property. 
I was getting wasted all the time, just all this crazy stuff, just horrible things. And, um, then I went to college and I couldn't keep it together. I couldn't not drink. I couldn't be a normal person. I couldn't do anything, you know? And then my sister calls me and tells me that my mom and my dad are crazy sick and and I need to go with her to, to, she doesn't want to have to take care of them alone. I know now that that's not true. None of that is actually true. My parents, my mom was incredibly sick. My dad was incredibly sick, but they never asked my sister to come to them. My sister had her own issues and she wanted to be near my parents or whatever. I don't even know. Um, and then we get there and it was horrific. My mom had shaved all of her head off. She looked like a psychopath. She's not one of those people that should ever go bald. She was smoking weed all the time, which to me was like the devil drug. She, um, they had finally diagnosed her. No, no, she hadn't been diagnosed yet. Um, and it was just horrible. I mean, my mom and I, I had, we got an apartment. I got two jobs. My sister didn't even get a job. I was paying all the bills. My, you know, helping my mom and dad out. My dad was so sick. My mom was so sick. She was so fucking crazy. And, um, then my mom would just say the cruelest, meanest things. I mean, I, I can't even remember it all, but you know, things that she hated me, super inappropriate sexual things. And then finally one day my mom and I had a fucking row. We just fought about weed, about smoking, about my sister, about my dad, about how she was abusing him because he was so sick and he was working and she wasn't and all she was doing was smoking weed all day and it could put his job in jeopardy and their livelihood and I just lost my shit and and she said, I hate you. I wish I never had you. I was like, no fucking problem. I will never fucking speak to you again. If you don't apologize to me right now, we will never fucking speak again. And I meant it. And I believe, especially now after all this, that I could have done it. And my dad is like screaming and crying. And I was like, you have till I walk out this door to apologize to me. And she was like, fuck you, bitch. Fuck you. I hope you fucking die. Cool. Bye-bye. I walk out that door and my dad's screaming and yelling and crying. And my sister finally comes out of her marijuana stupor and is coming out following me. Um... And I was going to my car and then all of a sudden my sister starts hysterically screaming. My dad had a heart attack. Boom. Right then and there. So my mom comes running out. We call 911. Um, you know, she's like, you're right. You know, for your father, I'm sorry. Fine. For your father, I'm sorry. And then six months later, my, or maybe eight months later. No, no, no. Less than that. I moved away shortly after that. I moved to Seattle, lived here for a couple of years, moved back. When I moved back, my and actually my mom and I had a really good, relatively good relationship when I lived here in Seattle. We were far away from each other. We always did better when we were far away from each other. Um, and I moved back and it was just another shit show. Um, I moved back and my mom was horrible, even worse than before. There was one time that I was making Thanksgiving with my dad and I was like, oh, let me show you this new trick that I learned And it was putting, like, butter in the skin or something. And my mom lost her mind. She was like, your father's been making turkey his whole life. You don't get to come in here and just tell him what to do. And And I started fighting back with her. 
and she picked up the knife on the counter and threw it at my face. And my father, because he's a fucking ninja, grabs the knife midair right before it hit me in the face. You know, she, she still doesn't remember that. She doesn't remember almost everything that happened between me and her. She remembers the shit she did to Dita, but the things that she did to me, no memory. Like, it never happened to her. So, then, they end up going to New York, and my mom gets committed to an insane asylum, and it cost me my soul to get her out. Just all this mess. And I could just think of all these moments. This this lifelong story of my mom, because of her mental illness, being either cruel or selfish or lying or, or manipulative or abusive. And then I look at my relationship with my sister, which for most of my life was abusive and manipulative. And then I look at my marriage with my husband, which is extremely manipulative and we I love him he's he is a stable loyal and I and I think he loves me um but he can be extremely verbally abusive and we have compartmentalized our relationship so much that it's like we can have this and just like I can with my sister, just like I can with almost everybody in my life. We live in this gray of like the best parts of our relationship and we never deal with the shit stuff. And now I have no contact with my mom and I don't feel any better. You know, I don't, I miss her horribly. Um, and I miss my dad horribly. But I look at these choices that I've made in my life and it's, and it's so interesting to me that that broken person in me is the person that has learned how to box everything up, how to make sure that all the silos of my life never intercede, that me losing my oldest son, me losing my relationship with him is one box. That my husband and my relationship is another box. That my sister is another box. My niece is another box. My mom is another box. My youngest is another box. Myself, my choices, the things that I've done are other boxes. And I know that it's none of it is truly healthy. But I survive. And sometimes I can even thrive. You know, sometimes. Sometimes things are good. And I know one day that I'm going to need to really figure this out. I mean, I, I think that once my son, my youngest goes off to college, it'll give me the opportunity to really focus on who I am and how to be strong enough to not keep everything in a box. But I just wish that I had a mom that wasn't sick, that the cycles of her life didn't so greatly affect mine. And that, that ripple effect didn't then also affect my children, which will then affect their children. And the guilt of that, the guilt of that is at some points overwhelming. And there's nothing more I can do but just keep moving. I just hope one day that my oldest son gets the opportunity to hear all of this. 
and can see me in a different light. I just hope one day he really loves me again.